The University of Miami Law School Entertainment Arts and Sports Law Program presents the Leadership Game Plan. I'm Executive Producer and Program Director Greg Levy, and now over to our host, longtime NFL coordinator, head coach, three-time Grey Cup champion, NCAA champion with the Miami Hurricanes, Miami Law graduate, and now adjunct faculty member, Coach Mark Tressman. I believe that everyone can lead, no matter who you are or what you do. I believe just like quarterbacks, leaders are not born, they are developed. With so many platforms to speak our minds, there are countless ways to lead and impact the lives of others. So how we lead in this accelerating and interconnected world will determine our present and our future. That's why leadership today matters more than ever. Welcome to the Leadership Game Plan, where we go beyond the X's and O's through the unique lens of our accomplished guests. I'm your host, Mark Tressman, and let's get started. hard to find an athlete or person as impressive as Seattle Seahawks quarterback Russell Wilson. Russell is a gifted individual in so many ways. He combines unique athletic talent on the field with an inspiring ability to lead others both inside and outside of the locker room. Russell's football talent has led to on-the-field accomplishments that speak for themselves. Yet even more impressive than Russell's excellence on the field are his leadership skills. Russell has a unique ability to lead, both in the locker room and in the community. He inspires people through his words, his actions, his work ethic, his faith, his vision, and merely his presence. Through Russell's consistently positive mindset and his powerful words, he can transform any room he enters. As we discuss today, Russell's belief that language is everything shines through in all his interactions. Russell's impact extends far beyond the football field. He also uses his platform as an NFL superstar to drive positive and real change in the community. In 2014, he and his wife Sierra founded the Why Not You Foundation, a nonprofit organization dedicated to fighting poverty through education, empowering youth to lead with a why not you attitude. In addition, through the pandemic, he has focused his efforts on food insecurity, pledging a personal donation of one million meals to Feeding America, the largest hunger relief organization in the United States. Russell's efforts in the community have not gone unnoticed. In 2020, he was named Walter Payton Man of the Year the NFL's most prestigious honor that recognizes an NFL player for outstanding community service activities off the field, as well as excellence on the field. And in 2022, Russell received the Bart Starr Award, given each year to the player who exemplifies outstanding character and leadership in the home, on the field, and in the community. With such an impressive resume at just 33 years old, Russell is far from finished, and I'm excited for what his future holds, both on and off the field. 
So please welcome Super Bowl champion Russell Wilson to the podcast, recorded as part of our Playbook for Leadership in the Law class at the University of Miami School of Law. You know, I'm not going to even mess around with Russell Wilson, the, the, the football player, because everybody knows what you've accomplished. But I, I did want to start by just reminding our class, you know, in 2020, you won the Walter Payton Award, you know, for, for volunteering and cha- charity work and excellence on the field. But as it applies to this class, I mean, we got to say NFL Bart Starr Award, which, which exemplifies outstanding character and leadership in home, on the field and in the community. So congratulations. Thanks for joining us. My friend, we really appreciate it. Your time is so valuable. Work and family in the off season, we know it's precious. So uh, welcome and you wanna roll? Yeah, I'm ready, I'm ready, man. Well, first of all, I'm super excited uh, just to be on here with you all. Um, you know, I, I'll give you guys a little quick story about, about me and then also Coach Tresman and I. You know, so, you know, funny thing is, is when I was growing up, I, I always wanted to go to University of Miami. Like it was a thing that like, I'm going to University of Miami. I'm, I saw the U, like I'm going there, I'm going there, going there, going there. And and, and uh, sure enough, I, I, I get to go play, you know, high school football. I actually go to a visit down there, um, play down there and everything else and, and do, do actually pretty good in camp. And, and I was, I'm a little guy, I'm 5'11". They say I'm too small to, you know, play in the NFL, this and that. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm basically in my head, I'm giving everybody the middle finger in my head. I'm like, I'm going to play. Like, don't worry, don't you worry about that. And uh, in a, anyway, sure enough, they offered me to, uh, you know, on the, on the low to, you know, play just one sport. But I always wanted to play two. I was, I was, a, I was a really good baseball player. And I ended up not going to Miami. And uh, sometimes I, I, I ask myself all the time and I was telling C, I said, you know, babe, I'm, I'm, I'm going on a, a call. You know, I have a pretty cool call today with a bunch of amazing students and it's going to be pretty cool. And it's the University of Miami. And uh, it's, it's kind of like where I wanted to go. Like, that's where I really wanted to go growing up. And so now I feel like I'm, I'm in class with you guys. So I feel like I, I'm finally gotten that itch, you know, figured out. So, um, you know, and then a little, little short story too is, uh, you know, Coach Tresman, I go to NC State. I, uh, I'm, I'm going to this uh, North Carolina to do this whole, uh, you know, uh, you know North, the state of North Carolina tour, basically, and once again, to play football and baseball. So I was going to go to UNC on Monday. We had a whole plan. UNC on Monday. Uh, Tuesday was going to be NC State. I was going to take a break for a day, go to go to Wake Forest on 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 Thursday, and Duke on Friday. And uh, I went to UNC, and the you know the 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 head coach and everything. They come in and they say to me, you know, we're going to offer you as an athlete, not a quarterback. Sorry, you know, uh, you know, but we want you to play baseball too, though. And, and I was like, all right. And my dad, my dad, um, he said, just give him five minutes to throw, just just five minutes, just let him throw for five minutes. I guarantee you'll change your, change your mind. And uh, so I, they gave me five minutes and I, and I wooed them. And I was like, you know, my, my dad ended up uh, saying to them, you know what, he's not going to come here. <laughs> so the next day I go to uh, NC State and I, I, I meet, this, uh, meet this awesome dude, this tall dude with glasses. And he had this little swaggers running around the field everywhere. It was, it was Coach Dresman. And, uh, and they had, they had, I think you coached, I think you guys had two five-star quarterbacks that day. And I was always the guy that was in front of the line. I'm like, I'm racing to the front of the line every day, no matter what. I'm going to be in front. I'm going to be listening, you know, blah, blah, blah. So, you know, I'm competing every day. And uh, Coach Tresman notices me and is like, you know, I like this guy. And so he kind of pulls me to the side. After, and when everybody goes to lunch, I say, hey, you know, Russ, I, can we get like another extra 30 minutes to throw on the side and do some extra work, you know? 
And uh, coach, you guys offered me that day. And then I ended up going to NC State. And, and uh, that's just how our, our worlds have kind of clashed. So, um, but anyways, I, I just, uh, coach, I'm, I'm, I've always admired you. I've always, uh, you know, admired your work on the field, but also, you know, what you've meant to so many people and uh, so many men talking about leadership. You know, I've had some of the best NFL players that I've gotten to know over the years, uh, Brandon Marshalls to Josh McCowns to so many other great players talk about you and what a great man and leader you are and, and what you've become even too as well. And so it's always, um, it's always an honor to be on here with you all. And just, uh, I'm, I'm getting two things, two things in, in one here. I'm, I'm getting to go to university of Miami for the day. And I'm also getting to, uh, coach ball. I feel like with coach Tresman. So, you know, I, I'm, 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 uh, I'm two for two today. They can't be, and we're going to get you a degree after this hour. So <laughs> yeah, exactly. We'll get you an honorary degree as soon as this thing is over, I promise you, because I know it's going to be a great hour. And thank you. I'm going to finish part of that story at the end of the day. I didn't know you were going to talk about it, but I'll, I'll finish it because I think there's even a little bit more that, that, that our class should know. But, you know, this is um, a leadership class. You are the Bart Starr winner. Um, how appropriate it is. So, you know, normally when we bring somebody in, Russ, we always say, uh, you know, everybody's got their own opinion and own, own definition of leadership within itself, you know, cause there's no right answer to it. And I know we're, we're compelled to ask you, you know, what is, what is your definition of leadership as you see it from your perspective, you know, at home and work, you know, in business on the field. You know, it's so interesting. You know, I, I had somebody when I was younger uh, once say to me, you know, a, a leader has followers and that could be a good leader or, or a bad leader. And the question is, which one are you? Um, you know, to me, I, I think about I think about in the process of of leadership, of, uh, of, of making a difference. I think, you know, you know, a good leader is somebody that, you know, changes the environment when they walk in. Every time they walk in the room, they're changing the environment. They're looking for new ways to 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 increase the environment, to enhance the environment. What are we thinking about mentally? You know, what are we thinking about, you know, socially? What are we thinking about? physically? How can we get better? How can we execute better? I think that's what great leaders do. And I think that the, if I, if someone were asked me, you know, how do you define a great leader? To me, I think it's number one is, is that, do they have a vision? Number two is, do people believe in that vision? Number three is, can we execute that vision? And number four, I think to me is, is, is can we speak about the vision? What's our language like? You know, one of the things that I, you know, and coach, you've coached some of the best quarterbacks, been around some of the best players in the world, uh, been around some of the best businesses, some of the best students. And the thing that you think about is, is that, you know, how do they speak? You know, you know, is it consistent language? I think great leaders are consistent in their language. Uh, they don't waver off their language. You know, for me, I'm, I'm walking up and down the sideline telling, hey, 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 we still got a chance. We still got a chance, baby. We still got a chance, you know, constantly giving people the truth. And I think that that's one of the things that I found out uh, along the journey is, is that uh, to, to give people a picture you know, um, you know, I, I, I once was told too, and I, I've always believed this is that don't just don't just give a speech, put on a show, you know, and I think that every time that a leader, a quarterback walks in the room, a businesswoman or a CEO and she's rocking it and she's running this huge business or she's doing what she's she's doing, whatever she's doing or the guy who's who's, uh, you know, lead, leading something too as well, no matter what it is um, or even our small communities. And it's maybe it's charity work, no matter what it is, we're leading. At the end of the day, is this, you know, do you do you change people and how do you how do you change them? And I think it's a lot of times we can't uh, underestimate our words. Our words changes things, you know. And in, in the Bible, I'm I'm quoting scripture, but 
the reality is it talks about uh, the power of life and death is in the tongue. What you say, uh, it changes things. And so how do we, how do we speak? How do we speak to each other? And what are we saying? And how are we uplifting? And what are you writing out? I, I think leaders write out goals and then they write out goals that can be attained, but also are high goals that we can reach for. Um, so that, that's kind of how I, I generally think about it too, as well. Yeah, that's great. Can we, can we uh, segue into, you know, after your definite leadership, can you talk about some of the competencies and you talked a little bit about it that a leader must have to lead you know, I, I say like authenticity, integrity, and so forth. Do you have any key components of your leadership style or your competencies that make you, that make you the leader you are? Well, I, I think the first thing is, is that, you know, for me personally, you know, I've always wanted to, I've always wanted to be able to give people what they may not see in themselves. You know, I, I, I you know, I, I walk in the huddle, there's 10, there's 10 guys in the huddle. They're all different sizes. They all look different. They all may have different socioeconomic statuses. They may come from one place or another. They may, may have a mom or dad, may not have, they may be a rookie, maybe a 10 year vet, maybe 14 years, maybe, maybe just got traded to us. You know, no matter what it is, every time I look in the huddle, when I look them in the eyes, I want them to feel what's about to happen. I want them to believe that this is the best play that we possibly have is this one right here. You know, when I think about business, it's the same thing. I, I've been fortunate to be able to um, create an awesome business, um, two of them, actually. And, and, and it's been really, really cool. We have um, so my think tank is called West to East. It's kind of my holding company of all things. And out of that, we creating these things. And so one of the things that we've created is um, is actually this company called the House of LRNC, which is, uh, you know, it, it's our fashion line. And it's uh, we have this men's clothing line called Good Man Brand. And we have a woman's line that Sierra just launched called Lita. Lita stands for love is the answer. And what we do is we give back to the community. Every time somebody buys a shirt, a, a hoodie, a pair of pants, um, you know, we, we give 3% back. And you started off with $3, hence the number three. That's my favorite number, obviously. And so we do, uh, but we, now we're international, so we do 3%. The, the, the math conversion is a lot easier, and 3% is actually giving even more. And so anyways, along the journey, when I first started this, you know, with Goodman Brand, I said, you know, why are we going to name it Goodman? And, and, I, and I said, you know, when I think about a, what a good man is, is, is I think about my dad, I think about my father. He was a good man. He was able to give back. He was able to love. He was able to serve. He, he cared about people. And, and so we talked about that. And I said, let's make sure we have that 3% from the beginning. So we, we set the tone from there, right from the beginning, right? We set the tone of what, it, what we're going to do. We're going we're gonna to give. And I think the same thing, no matter what business it is, no matter what family it is, no matter what, what sport it is, what, do we, what are the standards that we're going to set? And I think that that your leadership has to set that standard of what we, what do we, what do we have to do? Like we got to give back. That's a key component. I think another thing that, you know, is, is you got to be surrounded around, you know, really, really talented people, people that care just as much as you at, at the highest level. Right. And I think that you don't need a hundred people that care about as much as you, you need those two, three, four, five people that care as much. So going back to Goodman brand and house of LRNC, for example, we, we found an amazing leader, uh, she's been a dear friend of mine for about nine years. Her name's Christine Day. She's a, she was a CEO of Lululemon, um, and she we're really really close. So she she's now our CEO for the House of LRNC for Good Man and Lita, and she, we're rocking it. And we have some amazing people. So our bond between me, Sierra, and Christine is super tight. So I, I get to give some of that leadership away. I think sometimes leaders have to be able to give away too. 
you know, to be able to say, you know what, because I used to micromanage a lot. And we can talk about this a little bit later, but I, I, I've been able to be able to surrender and say, okay, you're really good at that. You're better than me at that. I don't want you to do that. Mm. And I'll suggest my ideas or whatever it may be. And I'm, once again, I'm a visual person. So I see something, I'm like, I like that. Oh, I don't like it. You know? And so for me, that's my gift. Um, so for me, I, I think that that's a big part of it too, is, is being able to surround yourself. You know, I always say surrender and surround. Um, you know, you got to be willing to be vulnerable in that sense and to, to be able to say, hey, mm-hmm. I want to find some other people that are smarter than me. I think the other thing too is, is that, you know, for me, I, I'm just a big believer um, that language is everything. Uh, language is everything. Language is everything. Language is everything. Language is everything. You know, it's like uh, if you learn one thing from me today, I, I think what leadership is, is about language. If you know what the teacher always says, you know, something repeats it and repeats it and repeats it. That's the thing to write down. Well, if you write down anything for me, let your language your what you say is everything. That's what I really believe. And I think that that goes back into what I think about how we change our mindsets, right? Our mindset, you know, I talk about this thing called neutral thinking. Right. And, and, and I'll break this down a little bit further and we can talk about this a little deeper. But to me, everybody talks about this idea around positivity. Right. And I think that's good. Like I'm a positive person by nature. I'm I'm extremely positive. I, I all that. But, you know, what's really hard to do is it's hard to be positive in the midst of covid. When people are losing their jobs, when people when somebody has cancer, it's hard to be positive when 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 you're down 16 nothing and it's the fourth quarter and it's two minutes and 32 seconds to go and you're playing the Green Bay Packers and you got to find a way to win the game and go to the Super Bowl again. Like it's hard. It's hard to be positive. Everybody's, ah, you know, everybody's cussing and everybody's freaking out. Right. It's hard. It's hard to be positive when. Uh, you know, the EBITDA is not, EBITDA is not hitting the way it should be or whatever it is. The returns aren't happening the way you want it to. It, it's, it's hard. It's hard to be positive when you just got out of a bad relationship. It's hard to be positive when, when you've been hurt and you've been burned before. It's hard to be positive, right? But you know what's really easy? It's really easy, really, really easy to be negative. It's really easy to be negative. And you know what's really easy too? Is that when you're negative, it's really easy to suck. It's really easy. It's really easy to not be very good at something now, all of a sudden, just like that. All your goodness, all the talent, all the, all the good stuff that you have, you lose it because you're negative. So what we talk about, uh, I've actually created a business. It's called Limitless Minds. And uh, my mental coach I've had for 10, 10 plus years, he actually just passed away. Uh, his name is Trevor Moad. We can talk a little bit about him. I'll tell you about him a little bit later. But just he's an amazing, amazing soul. Uh, he passed away uh, through cancer. But we used to always talk about this idea around neutral thinking. And what we've studied is, is that, you know, the best leaders in the world, whether they know it or not, they remain neutral. The best players, coach, I, I'm sure you know this, but the best players, when the game's on the line and it's the fourth quarter and it's 52 seconds to go with no timeouts and you got to go 72 yards, it's like your quarterback, your players, your best players, they're, they're like this. They're ice, almost like, you know, people say they're ice cold. It's almost like you, you don't see any emotion. It, they just, they're in the moment. They, that's the flow state people talk about. They're, they got the it factor, whatever it is, you know, that people want to call it. There, there's this moment in time where everything becomes still. And I think that the same thing as our leaders, CEOs, our business people, or whatever it may be, our, our moms and dads, you know, I, I got three kids, you know, it's when there's chaos going on, you can't, you can't meet chaos with chaos. You got to meet chaos with calmness. And I think that's what, where your language really controls that because if I say to you, coach, you coach, for example, I'm like, you know, coach, you're, you're really calling some shitty plays today. You're not very good today, man. Like you're, you're terrible. You know, if I'm saying that to you and we got, we got 52 seconds to go, like, well, what are we doing? Right. We're not focused on the moment. We're not focused on the, the goal, the mission. Right. If you're telling me, what, what the hell are you doing? Your, your feet suck this, 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 and that. Just tell me what you need. 
Don't tell me what's, what's, what's been going wrong. Tell me how I fix it, right? Hey, hey, let's do this. Take, hey, have a great first step, right? Great eyes, great feet, great eyes, great feet. I always tell myself these simple things. When I walk on the field, man, I always tell myself, great eyes, great feet, great eyes, great feet, great eyes, great feet. See in front. I give myself these nuggets of reminders. I tell my teammates, hey, get your feet underneath of you. Make sure your feet are underneath you today. Hey, you know, use your eyes, you know, keep your hands inside. Just little simple reminders that are, are truths. And I think that's, that's how we get back on track to, to stay on the fundamentals of life, to stay on the fundamentals of business and relationships, you know? Um, and, and I think the other thing about leadership is that we have to understand that we're all going through something. We're all going through something. We're all, we're all in these challenges and these moments and, you know, and, and, and Victor, you may have something going on in your life or, or, or Catherine, you may have something going on in your life. I, I don't know, but if I'm leading you, I, I got to understand that, you know, you may be going through something. So how do I speak to you? Because you made that, that one glimpse of, of that, of that neutral, that, 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 that real language of truth of who you are and what you're great at, you know, what, what you've done so, so well before Selena, what's your, what's your, what's your brilliant at, you know, rivers, what's your great at, whatever that is, right. If I can feed you that now you start connecting that. Now you start visualizing it. Now you start feeling it again. And now you start speaking that into, into existence too. And I think that's what I've seen. Um, that's been the great separator, you know, uh, for me and my career and my life and just on the field, but also off the field. You know, you really bring out, I wanted to go kind of segue to the next question, but you really bring out, you know, what leaders have, and that's relentless passion. They're relentless. Yeah. They, 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 re, they refuse to back down to anything, and they're, they're consistent in their relentless passion. And, and that, that's what I think we're all feeling, you know, today. You, you mentioned your dad, and, and uh, I want to just hit on this for a second, because over the last month, uh, the, our students have really... Uh, gone back to their narrative, their leadership story, we say, you know, to lead others, you, you first of all have to lead yourself. You know, I think that's, that's critically important and be able to lead yourself. Your narrative really talks about who your influences were growing up. You talked about your dad. There may be coaches. There may be instances or coincidences. Some of it you mentioned already, but is there anything you wanted to add to your narrative to what's brought us to this moment, uh, Russ? Yeah, you know, that's a great question. You know, I, I think that, you know, if, if you ask me what, where, where my narrative, my leadership narrative come from, comes from, um, you know, I, I think that, um, you know, for me, you know, my native language, if somebody asks me what my native language is, it's to always believe. It's the belief. It's, 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 my, it's my native language. I just believe. I don't, why would I think anything else? You know, I, you know, I, if I go back to my childhood, you know, I grew up with, 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 with uh, a dad who went to Dartmouth, um, you know, graduated top of his class from Dartmouth, then went to UVA Law School, graduated president's class from UVA Law School. Then he tried out for the San Diego Chargers with Dan Fouts and Kellen Winslow Sr. You guys may have to look them up. I don't know if some of you guys know who they are, but they're really, really good. Uh, Dan Fouts is the quarterback and Kellen Winslow Sr. was the arguably one, the arguably the best tight end ever, to ever play the game. Um, my dad played for this, you know, he, and he went to law school. Then he tried out for the Chargers, uh, ended up getting relief. He was the last guy cut. Um, and he, they called him the professor. He had these big old glasses, probably three times the size of Coach Tresman's glasses. <laughs> and they had no context back then. So he had those glasses. They called him the professor. So anyways, you know, I, I, I understood what education meant. Um, you know, I, I, got, I was fortunate to be around. My mom went to UVA. That's where they met. Um, my mom was an undergrad. And so I knew education was everything. Um, and, and I also knew that hard work was everything, 
You know, I, my parents taught me that, you know, if you want something, you have to go for it. You have to one, write it out, visualize it, and then go do it. And nobody's going to hold your hand. If you think that somebody's going to hold your hand along the journey, you're going to be left alone. And you're going to be left alone with nobody holding your hand. You're going to be left alone with nothing in your hand. And so what I understood was, is that I have, I have to go do things on my own journey. My, my dad um, worked his butt off, you know, tirelessly. My mom, she was an ER nurse, um, you know, he worked 24 seven around the clock, you know, so I was home by myself a lot. And so for me, you know, I had my brother, older brother, I had my younger sister and everything else. And so for me, I, I had to learn, you know, that you, you had to earn everything, you know? And I think the other part of it too, was that, you know, I saw my dad, I'll give you a little story about my dad. My dad died of diabetes. Um, I got drafted on June 8th, 2010 by the Colorado Rockies in the beginning of the fourth round in baseball. There's 60 some rounds in baseball. I've been, I've been, I've been actually drafted three times in baseball out of high school. I was a, you know, all American. And I was going to get drafted in the first, second round. I ended up turning it down. Uh, so got drafted. The Orioles offered me uh, $1.1 million. I said, you know, I'm not going, I, I want to, I want to go, you know, play football and baseball. And so then fast forward, I, I uh, go to college. The first day I get to school, my dad gets extremely sick with diabetes. He had diabetes before, but his legs swell up like, you know, you know like this, you know, so he had to get his leg amputated. And, you know, if you ever knew my dad, my dad was super charming, athletic dude, you know. Uh, so with my dad getting his leg amputated, it changed his life immediately. And so I get there, everything's happening. My dad goes into a coma. And, and then I'm, I'm, I'm telling you this story because I, I think it'll show you where I come from. I get there. My dad gets into coma. He felt he falls and hits his head on the side of the, uh, of a marble table in the kitchen. My mom's at work. She, he, she comes home eight hours later, blood's all over the floor. He's, he should be dead. You know, he's, 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 uh, he's out of it. No, no response, nothing. They rush him to the hospital. Um, they said he's going to be brain dead or he's probably going to die. Probably only has 12 to 18 hours left to live. He's in a coma. And I get a call and my mom's saying, she's hysterically crying. They say, you know, he's only got 12, 18 hours left to live. I don't believe him. I don't believe him. And now granted, this is, this is, this is Monday before my first college football game, which is going to be Thursday night against South Carolina. I'm starting in it. And it's Monday, you know, it's Monday. So she calls me and hysterically crying. It's, I don't know. It's one in the morning. You know, it doesn't have any time left to live. They're saying 12, 18 hours. And I don't believe them. I don't believe them. I got to remember something. My mom was an ER nurse. She's seen everything. Okay. She's seen everything. So, you know, I, I, I'm like, mom, you know, I, I'm supposed to wake up at four 30. I was like, mom, call me back. Let's pray real fast. Call me back. If something happens, let me know. Well, she calls me back around two 30 or whatever time it is. My heart drops. I'm like, oh man, my mom's calling me. That's not good. So answer the phone. She's, once again, hysterically crying. She, I can't hear her. I can't understand what she's saying. She says, you won't believe it. You won't believe it. You won't believe it. Now, granted, you got to remember something. My dad's been in a coma for three weeks now. Okay. He hasn't moved nothing. And so I, you know, I, I'm like, mom, what's up? Tell me what's going on. So anyways, she says, you know, you won't believe it. You won't believe it. I, I went to go get the doctors and I started singing to dad and all of a sudden he moved. I said, what? And she said, I went to go to the doctors. They came back in. And they're like, man, I'm sorry. You're in a traumatic state. You know, you, you, sometimes you think something happens and it just doesn't, you know, it's just, you, you think something's good happening and it's not because, you know, this is it. He's, he's not, gonna, he's not going to make it past the night. Sorry. And my mom goes, no, 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 just watch, just watch. So she starts singing this song all by grace in his left ear. And he's laying there. Now, once again, he's in a coma, hasn't moved. She starts singing the song all by grace to him in his ear. And she's singing the song. She says, move your right hand. 
move your left hand. And he wiggles his right, wiggles his left. It's going to make me tear up. She says, move your right foot, move your left foot. He moves both feet. And he wakes up right there in front of the doctors. Wakes up and they said that he was never going to move again. So let me tell you something. So for me, I understand that there is no other choice but to believe. You know, there is no other way in the midst of life, in the midst of things going on, in the midst of chaos. I got no other choice. I got no other way to believe because I've seen miracles. I've experienced them. I've been part of them. I've, I've prayed for them. I've, I've seen them in other people's life. I go, I'm fortunate to go to the Seattle Children's Hospital every Tuesday. And every time I walk into that hospital room, I'm praying for a miracle. There's this kid named Milton Wright. He was 19 years old, African-American kid, really handsome, about 6'3", really good, nice, nice kid, all smart, smart dude. Said the same thing, only 12, 18 hours left to live. And so every time I go into a room, you know, my foundation director, Carly, she, she, she's, it's like, it's like a box of chocolates. You never know what you're going to get. Every room's different. And so I go into this room, uh, it's a Forrest Gump line. If you guys, you know, I'm just hoping you guys know that. Okay, good. So anyways, uh, so I go into, um, I go into this room every time, every time I go in a room, every, every room's different. I, I go into this room for Milton's room and she kind of deep, she kind of briefs me before I go in the room. And you know, she's 19 years old, really smart guy, da, da, da. he's a former football player, quarterback, you know, he's got cancer, he's had cancer three times, you know, eight, 12 and, and 18. I'm like, okay, ooh, okay. And he's like, there's only 12, 18 hours left to live. And I'm thinking in my head, 12 to 18 hours, I, I, re, I reflected back to this is five years ago. Okay, so anyways, I go in the room. I'm like, Milton, what's going on, man? He's pissed, not happy. I'm like, what, what, what the fuck? What the you doing here like i don't why are you here like what i don't like what are you doing here i don't want you here like you know he's a huge fan of mine but he's like embarrassed you know he's like this is it like i don't want i don't want to see any other people and his his, his girlfriend's there from family friends and people and it's like this is it i'm done i'm done i don't want to do this anymore and so i kind of take a second and i take a second go out the room dr mike jensen he's the lead doctor there he comes out and he kind of grabs me and a couple of the nurses and they say you know russ like there's one thing we want to try with him it's this thing called T-cell therapy and we, we've never done it on anybody and we really want to try it on him and we think he's the perfect patient to do it on. But every time we try to convince him, he doesn't want to do it. And it's like, he, he's done. And I'm like, okay, you know, tell me what it is exactly, doc. Well, he said, well, T-cell therapy is where you take the T-cells out of the kid's body, regenerate and re-energize them, put them back in the kid's body. And hopefully, hopefully there'll be no more cancer within two weeks. And I'm like, okay, like, so what do you want me to do? He's like, well, can you go in there and, and talk to him? So I go in there. I said, Milton, can I sit? Can I sit next to you real quick? And he's a, he's a, yeah, sit down, whatever, man. I'm like, sure, go ahead. No, granted, you know, I mean, this guy's a big fan, and he's, but he's pissed. You know, this is it. Like, yeah, sit down, sure. So I sit down with him. I said, hey, listen, man. I said, listen, I, I want to talk to you. I want to tell you a story. I told him a story about my my, my mom and my dad and the left ear, and I told him the same thing I just told you guys. And you know, left foot, right foot, boom, wakes up right there. I said, Milton, let me tell you something. I said, if you try this, if you try this T-cell therapy thing and it doesn't work, I said, you won't even remember. And he starts laughing and he's like, good point, good point. He goes, I said, but let me tell you something. If you do try this, if you do try this and it does work, you'll be remembered forever. You'll be one of the first people to ever do this, right? Like, just think about how glorious that would be if it does work. I said, no, and why not you? Right. Why not you? Well, that's something my dad used to always say to me, son, why not you? And that's our name of our foundation, our Why Not You Foundation. So I said, I said, why not you? He goes, hell yeah, man, why not me? He goes, I'm getting up, let's go. So he literally gets up. He goes, Dr. Mike, we're going. And he, like, Dr. Mike's like, You're, wait, what? He's like, we're going, I'm getting T-cell therapy, man. Gets up, puts his robe on, walks out. 
goes get T-cell therapy within an hour, comes back, no more cancer two weeks later, no more cancer. Cancer's gone. Okay. I, two years ago, that was five years, five, six, six years ago. I saw I'm in the hospitals you know, two years ago, me and Sierra walk out of the hospital room, talking to another child, boom, come out and the emotional room come out of, come out. And Milton's comes out of another room right to my left. And I'm like, Oh no, like my heart drops again. I'm like, I'm like, what are you doing here? He goes, man, you wouldn't believe it. I'm like, well, what do you mean? He goes, He's, I mean, I'm going around telling people, why not you? T-cell therapy, come on, come on, hop on board. So that's now, now his job. He works at he works at Seattle Children's Hospital. And it's just, so I'm telling you, I've seen these stories in my own personal life and other people's lives. People have been fortunate to encourage or be around, or these, these amazing stories that I've been fortunate to be around. And just like, I got I got nothing else to think. I got, you know, when the game's on the line and it's, you know, we're going through what we're going through and it's gotta go win the game. Like. There's no better time. There's no better time. And so uh, I think that's kind of my, uh, my originating story coach. I think that's kind of where all the, all the uh, passion comes from. And, you know, I, I think that there's a, and I, I want to say this too. I think there's a difference between passion and purpose, passion and purpose, right? I could be passionate about music and have no purpose doing it. Right. Like I, I I'm passionate. I love music. I listen to music all day, but I should not be singing music. Right. It's like, that's not my job, but I may have a purpose to lead people. I may have a purpose to encourage people. I may have a purpose to innovate. I may have a purpose to be creative. I may have a purpose to love. I may, I may have a purpose to forgive my family member who did something to me. You know, I may, I may have a purpose to, to, to change things. I may have a purpose to, to be the change, you know, it's, we all have a purpose. And I think what's so important is, is to be able to decipher what you're passionate about and what's, what's, what God puts you on this earth to be purposeful about. And what's amazing is when you can have the two that can be aligned, that's when you find goodness. That's when you, right. that's when you find all the good stuff. So, um, yeah, that's, that's kind of my story. My really cool. Yeah. Really cool. Greg, you got, you got something, something, some more stuff for, for Russ. Yeah, Russ, thanks again for being here. And, and, um, Man, you just you talked about earlier how language is everything. And in that story you just told, I mean, you used your language, right, to change Milton's perspective on that. That's awesome. Um, so you you're such a leader in the community, in your community and in business. How does leadership on the field translate into those settings? Or were things that there were there things that you thought you had to learn when you're starting to move into the boardroom? Well, you know, what I what I found was is that, you know, playing quarterback, playing shortstop. You know, you get to find, you know, through sports, I was able to find, you know, what leadership looked like. And I also found what it didn't look like. And so in the midst of that, I was able to create my own style. And I think all leaders should have their own style and own way of doing things. But I think there should be some core principles that we all do. And one thing that I think is language is key. I found that out. I found out that that being able to paint a vision is another thing. Right. And whether that's verbally or physically or however you do it, you got to paint the vision for people. Uh, and then, and then three, I think you got to make people believe in it, you know, however you do that. And so what I found in the midst of that was, is that um, in along the journeys is that I really, I really wanted to create my own style. And, and then in the midst of that too, what I found was, is that, okay, I can have that style on the field, but how do I relate that back to, to off the field and, and this and that. And what I found was, is that actually I want to create, the, the leadership style for my teammates in particular, I want to show them that the off the field stuff allows you to be really successful on the field. See, what happens is, is that we get so distracted off the field that it, that it, a lot of times it, it, it imbalances us 
you know, on the field. And so what I found was, is that going to the Seattle Children's Hospital and, and going to see people that may not be as fortunate, what it does is it, it brought me peace to my mind. It brought me understanding that, you know what, God, you, you gave me this amazing opportunity and don't, don't distress about what the TV says or what somebody's writing here or what maybe somebody may think good or bad there. And it's like, you know what, I'm just going to focus on, on being grateful and what gratitude was really about. And, and, and I found that out that when you, when you go serve, I think we're all meant to serve in all different ways. And when I found out that I was supposed to serve um, the community and wherever I was going to go, I, I soon I, I made that commitment. And I think I kind of did my own contract with myself that I'm going to, I'm going to make a commitment to whatever community I'm in. And then sure enough, I was in Seattle and they had a great children's hospital. And I wasn't afraid to go to hospitals just because my dad, my mom, and you know, my dad passed away in one, my mom worked at one. And so I was like, you know what, let me, let me go to a place that is familiar. Um, that's hard. It's tough and, and sometimes ugly in a way, you know? And so let me go there, let me go to the dark places. And so that's what I did. I said, let me go to the, one of the darkest places and children's hospitals sometimes can be dark in the sense that you're losing children. I said, let me go there and see if I can bring a, bring a little bit of light. And so that's what I did. I made that commitment um, from day one, no matter. And that was before that was I got called. I got drafted April 27th, uh, 2012. I made that commit commitment May 1st. And then I got I flew out to Seattle May 10th, May 11th. I was on the phone with Seattle Children's Hospital. And then that, that, that first Tuesday I was there. I don't know. It was May 13th, 14th or whatever it was. I was I was in I was in the hospital. And so I've been doing that ever since. And I think um, that was kind of the foundation before I was ever good, before anybody knew my name, you know, in terms of, you know, uh, you know, Pro Bowl player, Super Bowl champ, all that stuff. It was, that was insignificant. What's, what was significant was, uh, was what, what I was going to do to change the community that I was in. And what it did was it freed me up, it freed me up to be a better football player, it freed me up to be a better man, it freed me up to be a better husband, it freed me up to be a better leader, a better teammate, it, you know, and, and, uh, and so that, that was, um, that was the commitment. And so sometimes I think what we have to do as leaders is that we have to commit to things before it's ever good, before it's ever big, before it's ever challenging. Um, because sometimes what happens is if you don't commit to it beforehand, next thing you know, you get into the chaos, the chaos state and the chaos, you know, uh, of, of being successful and the chaos of trying to do something really hard and challenging and it's going to get chaotic. And then when you get in that chaos state, well, what do you grab onto? What do you grab onto? What is it? And for me, the things I grab onto are my faith, my family, and, and also my community. You know, what, those are the three things that I know I can grab onto at any point, no matter how good the day is, no matter if I just won the Super Bowl or if I just got home and we just lost it at the one yard line. You know, it's, it's still about my community and I'm not going to change that. And, uh, and I think that's allowed me to free up my space. You know, I've, I've had some challenging times over my career, but I've had a lot of great ones too. And man, it's been an amazing ride. And so there's so much more ahead that I think about every day. When you're, when you're hiring people to work with you, what do you look mm -hmm. for besides their competency to do the job? Uh, I look for a few things. I, I look for, I look for their grit. I look for their grit. I look for their courage, grit, courage. I look for, I look for their language. I want to hear what they talk about. I want to hear what they care about. I want to listen to what they say. Um, cause I think a lot of times what people say, um, you know, I take in, I want to look for people that also want to lead. I don't want a whole bunch of followers. I want people that 
that are leaders. I don't want people to follow. I want people to create. I want people to innovate. I want people that are going to change something. Uh, you know, because if I got a whole bunch of great leaders that can also uh, listen as well, um, you know, if, if they can all lead in their own right, well, now we got something that we can build more things. Right? We can build more opportunity because of they're all leaders in their own right. Are they self-starters? And I think that's really key. And it's hard to find. It's hard to find sometimes, you know, especially in certain roles, in certain spaces and places, you know. If you don't mind, uh, uh, Russ, um, I want to play a, a little bit of uh, B Marsh from our podcast for you. And then I, I want to hear what you have to say about it, if you don't mind. Yeah. Russell Wilson, self-talk. That's the first thing that jumps out to me. Positive. Mm-hmm. We're down 30. We're still there. We're going to find a way. Coming out to practice, let's find a way to get better. We're going to be better today. Never forget flying in from a game, I think it was the uh, playing against the Arizona Cardinals in Phoenix. Midnight, we land. Let's get a head start on next week. Let's go hit the hot tubs, cold tubs, hit the recovers, watch a little filming, and everybody's going home. And this is Russell and I in there. And I'm like, finally, it's at the end of my career. And my body hurt, man, this ain't gold. You know, man, I, it's such a, I just can't. Yes, stop. Your self-talk is terrible. Like this dude, when you talk about being positive, you talk about just sports psychology. Oh man, he is one of the best in the world at it. He like what you see on television, that's truly who he is mm-hmm. all the time. Mm-hmm. Not only in sports, as how he is in business, right? Because Russ is very savvy, savvy businessman. You see him. That like that with his kids, his wife, positive, 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 positive. You know how smart Brandon is and how yeah, Brandon, Brandon's brilliant. Yeah. How receptive he is. And you know, I just know you're you're big on mindset. You know, you've got a relentless mindset and you've kind of hit on it a little bit. So um, but maybe you want to just comment on it and how that relentless mindset, you know, term mindset you know, plays into each and every day on the field and in the, in, you know, in your boardroom. Yeah. You know, I, I think what's so critical, um, you know, is, and, and we can all see this right now, right. Is we're all being challenged. We are all being challenged in so many different ways currently right now. I, I guarantee you, if I ask you guys, what are you guys are going through, whatever it may be, there's one small or one big thing, or maybe a three, a three small things or three big things that we're all going through. And we're all thinking about and we're all concerned about. And what I what I found truly is a separator between great business people, great leaders, great coaches, great players, whatever it may be, great athletes, um, is can they control their mindset? Can they control it when it's hard, when it's tough? Can they control it when it's good? Let's not just talk about when it's tough. It's actually it's actually almost more scary when it's good. Exactly. You know, it's more scary. I've seen the biggest falls when it's good, you know? And so the thing is, is that, you know, how do you control it when, when, how do you control it all the time? And I think it's something that, you know, I've been super, super passionate about. Um, and I go, I, I keep saying this, remember what's the one thing, what's the one thing I said, uh, Max, uh, I said, if uh, you write down one thing, what is it? Language is everything. Language is everything, baby, right? The language is everything. What you say. You definitely is, ask is, the right guy, Russ. 
<laughs> I, I could tell. That's why I asked him. Come on, coach. I haven't been in the huddle once before. I've been in many no, you're times. An you're an observant guy. Go ahead. <laughs> so, but uh, it's so true though that you we have to we have to be able to understand that our language is something that we control. It's not somebody else. Somebody else controls. It's what you control. And so, to me, I, I think that's something that I've been very conscientious of and committed to, and also tried to help other people with. Because it's something that God gave me a gift with. I, I don't know, for whatever reason, he's just, it's, it's, you know, I get to speak to people. I get to be in a huddle. I get to control a franchise. I get to talk and I get to be in front of people and I don't shy away from it. And I, I'm not afraid to talk about my faith or life or the tough times and the good times. And so language is something that's, that I've really committed to. And I think it's something that we all can grow at. I, I try, I practice it every day. I mean, I think about it every day. What am I saying? I'm not saying I, I, you know, I, I tell my teammates and I've told a couple of people I work with even is like, check your text messages. What do you say? Like if you, if you, if you check your text messages with what your conversations of your closest friends, closest people, what does it sound like? What do you say? What do you say to yourself? Your self-talk is what's going to drive you to be successful or honestly going to drive you to not be successful. And it's just, it's just the truth. I don't, I don't hide from the truth of it. It's, it is, you, you have an amazing, we all have an amazing opportunity to be successful. And the key is, is that when we get to surround ourselves around other people who are successful, it gives us that opportunity. But if we, if we can't control our language, it, you know, it's going to be tough for me to be around you. You're probably gonna get tired of me after a while, just because, you know, it's just, you know, I, I'm just going to continue to speak the same way. I'm not going to change off my stance of that. And, that's just, that's just part of, part of me. But I think that the other thing that I've understood too, is, is that we all need help. We all need help. We all need help. And so that's kind of been my commitment um, over the past two years, three years in particular, in really seeing it. And I've always understood it. I've always known that, but you know, I've seen that more and more because of what we've gone through as a society, COVID, uh, racial inequalities, uh, just financial means for people because of COVID. Uh, just a lot. There's been a lot. There's been a lot of heartbreak. Um, and then a lot of heartbreak and surprises and tough times. And I've realized that, okay, I got to be better, even better. I got to be a champion. I got to be a champion with my language. I can't just be a good player. I can't just be a great player with my language. I got to be a champion. I got to be world-class with my language. And I think I also, too, I've got to be bold enough to tell people, hey, that we can't say that. It's not going to help. Right. And, and I think that I've seen that, too. I think that's what Brandon was talking about. He's, he's one of the best receivers ever played the game, guys. And he's talking. About, I can't. I can't. I can't. I can't. What you talking about? You know, like, no, no, no. We're not going to say I can't. Like, that, that, that's not going to that's not going to you're going to sit next to me. and You're going to be around me. We're not saying I can't. I won't. I don't. No, no. That's, that's a, that doesn't fit my space. And so. Uh, I think that's just kind of been my commitment to myself and others. You know, if I care about you, I'm going to make sure I'll, I'll let you know. And, uh, and then as a result, we've been building a business. Like I told you guys with limitless minds and we work with Microsoft, the Amazons, the Johnson and Johnson's, the Bristol Myers squibs we might work with, uh, and we're building technology around it. And it's been a pretty cool journey, um, to be, to, to be able to start something like that. And, uh, if I had one goal, if you asked me what my one goal was coach about it, um, you know, if we're all 14 year olds in the room, let's just say we're all 14 and I go to the guidance counselor. What are you guys going to say about me? He's fucked up. What's wrong with him? Is he different? What's why, why is he going to guidance counselor? We need to change that stigmatism. 
And I think we need to change it in our education system. I think we need to change it earlier on. I think we're waiting to, when we all have Twitter and we all have the ability to write about it and talk about it and say what we want to say on Twitter or Instagram or whatever. But the problem is we're not changing it with our youth. And I think we need to change it in our education system. Just like, just think about it. Like we all go to math, history, science, biology, whatever, right? And there's all important things, but how many of us are actually going to use those things? Like not many of us, right? And so the thing that we're always going to use is our mind, how we think, how we process, how we talk, how we speak. And I think to be able to build a curriculum, pass, fail kind of curriculum around that in our education system would be like probably my biggest goal. One of my biggest goals in life life is to be able to put that in all middle schools, high schools, public and private. Um, because it's like, how do you, how do you become a major in, in psychology if you've never been taught it? Right. How do you, how do you know? It's like, it's tough, right? It's, um, and I think it's something that we all need. We're going to jump to a couple of student questions, if that's all right. Um, Mike Raymond, you're up first. Thanks, Greg. And uh, let me just say, it's, a, it's I'm so grateful to meet you, Russ, and uh, hear from you today. It's This has been an amazing opportunity. And I, I'm fired up, too, just listening to it. But uh, my first question is, you know, we all know that preparation and routine are, you know, vital in your success on the field. Um, and of course, you've proven that over and over again. But how is preparation and routine vital for your success in life, family, and most of all, your leadership? Yeah, it's a great question. I think I always say the separations and the preparation. And that's the, that's the separator. You know, how do people prepare? How organized can they be? You know, can, can, they, can they help me simplify my mind? Can I help them simplify their mind in the huddle? If I'm prepared, I'm never scared. I always say that when I'm prepared, I'm never scared. And so for me, it's just, it allows me to go into any situation. I got plan A, plan B, plan C, and I only need really plan A because plan A is going to work. But if I ever need to, you know, I, need, I ever need to adjust to plan B, we can. And I think that's just something that I've always um, thought about. I think in the midst of that is same thing with my family. You know, I'll, I'll talk about me and C, like our marriage. When we, when we first got together and we, we, we were, um, we were, you know, uh, Dayton and everything else, you know, I, I told her, I said, what was really important to me was, was that we we're going to have an old school kind of love. And she was like, well, what does that mean? What does that mean to you? And I said, you know, I, our date nights are important. Like, I, I want to make sure we have a date night every Friday if we can, or at least once a week. So like that was preparation for successful marriage to me. Right. It's like, you know, making sure that I'm doing that. You know, I, I think that what's also key is, is, you know, making sure that you can create that quality time, you know, uh, with the things that you really care about, you know, how do I do that? You know, right now is a perfect time for me to do those things. And, you know, I got to take care of my mind first so I can prepare for challenges and changes and movements and things and thoughts and ideas and all the business stuff I want to do and everything else. So I, I try to take a, a, a solid week of just working out and just focus on the things that I want to talk about. I want to think about Leader, leadership. This has been a great conversation for me. This is preparing me you may not realize I may be helping prepare you, but it's preparing me for what's next. It's preparing me for change, it's preparing me for growth, it's preparing me for new, th new thoughts and new ideas. So um, everything I do is a purpose, a purpose behind it. I'll tell you one thing, Mike, I, I, one, one pet peeve, and it's probably the main only pet peeve I really have is I don't like wasting time. I don't want to waste, I don't want to waste precious time of, of things. And I think that for me is just, like I don't, I don't really want to waste time on, on, on people or things or ideas that I don't really love. Um, you know, and, and when it comes to significant things, I just, I'm just like, mm. you know, I think when you think about preparation, you gotta be able to cancel things out. Coach would say, coach Tresman would talk about the process of elimination. 
You know, that's what great quarterbacks do. You got to process and eliminate, baby. You got to, you got to be able to go up to the line of scrimmage and, and, and know, you know, what the coverage is, what it could be, what it is, what it could be, and then play ball from there and just trust your eyes and trust what you see. I think the same thing when you prepare at that level in that fast chaotic space all the time, um, it allows you to, uh, it allows you to make quick, efficient and precise decisions. Catherine, you're up next. Hi, Russ. It's nice to meet you. And thank you again for your time. Really, really appreciate it. Um, So my question is, how do you approach conflict within a team? I guess I'm curious to know how you distinguish between productive conflict versus unproductive conflict. Yeah, that's a great question. I love that question. You know, productive conflict versus unproductive. That's that's really good. I I think that um, conflict's good. Conflict's good. Conflicts changes things. Conflict grows things um, or kills things. And sometimes when you kill things, it's also growth for the next opportunity too. So I always believe that conflict grows things if you make the right decisions. Um, To me, I I think productive conflict, for example, to me in my head, and when I think about it, when I hear that, I think of, okay, we have a situation. Okay, how do we actually move the situation along so we fix it or grow from it? And I, I think that's such a key component to it. Like to me, I, once again, using sports, but I, I think about, okay, you know, if, how, do, how, do we, how do we actually go back to the fundamentals of what, what our mission is, what our goal is? Like, what, what, what are we thinking about? What are we talking about, right? That goes back to language and thoughts and what are you saying in between your head? If, you're, if I'm a great free throw shooter, right? It's like, oh man, like we got a situation here. I'm missing, a free, I'm missing 10 free throws in a, in a row, but I'm a 95% free throw shooter. That doesn't make me a bad free throw shooter all of a sudden. I just, I just gotta go back to the fundamentals of it. I think the same thing in conflict and relationship, right? You know, you think about relationships. Um, a lot of times we, we can have conflict. And I think that honesty and truth is always key, but also knowing that, hey, I'm, I'm here with you to, to accomplish this goal with you. How can I help you? And I think that's a, I think that's a really key thing to, to leadership is how can I help you before they ask you the other way around? It's like, hey, what can I do to help you? What can I do to serve you? Like, what can I do to make this better? And and hopefully they have a plan. If they don't, then maybe you could suggest ideas or whatever it may be. But I think that's productivity. I think unproductive is language, negative language. This sucks. This is not going to work. Da, 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 da. All that stuff. I'm like, okay, well, if you're already in that space, you know, I, I can't help you, you know? So, you know, it's now I may have to shift my mind to just controlling what I can control. Right. Um, you know, I've, I've had that on the football field, for example, you have, you have guys that are, unproductive conversations or unproductive thoughts or, or, or body language. I, I, I say BBL. No, I say no BBL, no bad body language. You know, it's just, I, I can't, I can't be around it. I don't like it. And I'm not going to have bad body language. So for me, um, I think that's really important to make sure that body language is right. And that's how we can become productive. What's up, Max? Hey, hey Russ. How are you doing? Thanks for being here. And uh, thanks for letting the other Max take the fall on the, on the first question. Um, yeah, no. Matt, I want to change gears a little bit. My question is about sort of like your, your philanthropic and your entrepreneurial ventures. And we, we talked about them a little bit, but I'm curious sort of how you sift through all the different opportunities that are presented with you and then choose the one that you really want to dive into. Is it sort of like a, you know, everything has to have a baseline individual value um, or is it just a, a total pitch by pitch kind of feel? Yeah, that's a great question. I get, I get pitched on things all day, every day. I think the thing that I found out was, is that number one thing, when it comes to, 
um, the foundation, for example, it's got to be focused on the youth. We, 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 we're reactionary. We help people just in general, you know, homelessness, you know, all different ages and all that stuff. But really the core part of it is the youth, right? So like youth homelessness, right? Like, you know, uh, uh, you know, pediatric cancer, like those kind of things, like we're very youth, hence the Y-O-U, why not you, Y-O-U, youth and all that stuff. So we, we're very hyper-focused on the youth. Um, but we'll, we'll help anybody, you know, but that's the core. Like if somebody asks like, Hey, what, what are you focused on? Focus on the youth. I think that, um, in terms of business and stuff and, and even foundation, but just from, from business and thought processes, and we've actually been really, um, wrapping our heads around this as of late. And my chief of staff's in the room, she's over here. We were, we're actually going to talk about this probably a little bit later today, but like a lot of it is, is around this idea around mind, body, soul. I, I, I've come to this conclusion that all the things I really want to invest in and do and think about is around those three major, you know, maybe slightly off of that or, you know, whatever, but it's like mind, body, soul, mind, limitless minds, like talking to you guys, leadership, how we think, how we talk mindset, right? Like mind, the body, right? Like very, obviously I'm an athlete. So I'm, I'm very particular about the body and we've built brands and businesses around that uh, health and wellness and all that stuff. So you know, we have three brand, which is our, my kid's line, you know, and we also have, you know, good man, Brandon Lita, which I told you guys about human nation, uh, the house of valorancy, that, that's the fashion line. Um, but also, you know, how do we live, how we have a healthy body, you know, I have a whole performance team and all that. So I think that's key. I think the last part too, is, is that, you know, is the soul, you know, I do, I have a whole production team and all that, but, you know, I, I think about, you know, the soul, I, I, I'm a, I'm a big believer in storytelling. You know, I want, I want, I want people's souls to be changed. I want people to be being inspired. You know, I want them, I don't want them to stay the same. I want them to grow. I want them to be challenged and grow. And so if I'm ever going to hop on a conversation like this one, my prayer is that when I get off the conversation, your soul has been inspired. Like, man, I, 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 I want to do something great. You know, like I can do this. Like, I don't, I don't want people to just, you know, so I, I believe in that and the soul part of it. So mind, body, soul, those are things I'm, 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 I'm really focused on hyper, hyper focused on, especially in business. Well, I think we're going to, we're going to close this one out. We want to stay true to your time, Russ. I, I did want to finish with uh, just one thought and I want to finish the way you started with your story. And I want to kind of circle around it and, and tell everybody a, a little bit about the rest. Cause I, the, the, I don't believe there's any such thing as coincidences. And, uh, and there's some people that we should be thankful for that brought us all here today. You know, I think I'm thankful to the UNC coaches and the Miami coaches that unfortunately they thought more about themselves than they thought about you and giving you the opportunity to play two sports. I'm thankful to Elliot Avant for calling me and he wouldn't have called me if we weren't friends. We were friends. We had built a relationship and we were friends. He called me and asked me for you to come by and, and, and get a workout. And I'm thankful for Chuck Amato, who just like me said, if this man thinks he can play two sports, why would we deprive him of doing that? And, and then and then the workout, and I went back, I'll share this with the class. I don't think I've ever shared it with you. Um, I went back to Chuck and I said, I want to give you my grade on Russell, this Russell Wilson. I spent some extra time on him. I gave him a first round grade with arm talent because, I mean, I, I, and I said, I said, Chuck, you know, I stood behind Steve Young for three years. I know what it's supposed to look like. I said, I give him a first round grade in arm talent. I give him a first round grade in athleticism. I give him a first round grade in in FBI, and I give him a first round plus grade in charisma. And I said, I'm giving shame on me because I don't trust myself. I'm giving a third, I'm giving him a third round grade because he's under six feet tall. Shame on me. 
I said, this was a, this was a no brainer. I said, I said, but I, but I think I told, I told Russell along the way, you know, Russell, you're an anomaly. You can, you can play at this level. And I'm proud of that. I want to share that. I'm not patting myself on the back because, you know, the NFL had 74 opportunities to draft you before Pete drafted you and it became a benefit, right? It, it was, it was the right place at the right time. So, you know, I finally told him, I said, I have never met anybody like Russell Wilson and I would like to grow up to be like him. And you were a child then. And to see you here today and to hear you speak in front of this group, the takeaways we have gotten are, are endless. We, we all have to go through this recording and take better notes because there's so much there. And you are also doubling down, thankfully, on a lot of things that we've talked about in our class with Jeffrey, with Greg, with Peter. So I'm thankful for that. So um, I'm just truly grateful that Russell Wilson would take it, take the time with us today. We really, Russ, we've been blessed with your presence. And I hope you got something out of it too, because hearing yourself say the things that you said today were reinforcing not only to us, but apparently to you as well. And, and we'll get that degree in the mail eventually. <laughs> I got you. Well, listen, uh, you know, coach, you couldn't have said any better. I, you know, it's a, it's been an honor, you know, um, you know, you're the one that's always believed in me in the long, in the journey of it all. I, I was playing pro baseball and, and uh, came came home to uh, to North Carolina. I was going to go transfer to Wisconsin. I said, Coach, you think I should do this, right? He said, Hell yeah, you'll make it. You know, uh, you're going to play in the NFL, man. And uh, we're talking about football, baseball, this and that. So you're going to play a long time, you know. And uh, so I'm I'm grateful, you know. And um, I, I think it's been an amazing journey for sure. And uh, we got so much more to do. So uh, let's continue to encourage you all to keep going too as well. Have a stay healthy, have a great off season. Thanks go out to our executive producer, Greg Levy, Associate Dean and Director of the Entertainment, Arts and Sports Law Program at the University of Miami School of Law. I want to also thank our engineer and editor, Christopher Elzadi, our theme music from Calyptra, and special acknowledgement to our research assistant, Nick Rossi, a fellow attorney and student who's done a great job in our preparation. <laughs>